Get to Conscious Business with the Corporate Yogi. I'm your host, Julie Zuzak. This podcast helps entrepreneurs develop the mindset needed to build and grow a conscious business. Whether you know it yet or not, your mindset is the subconscious blueprint that determines your success. Each episode, we explore the different ways that your business calls you forth to grow on a personal level and through your relationships. So get out of your head, into your heart, and let's dive right in, shall we? Okay, so I read this great article the other day on how to deal with your triggers, and it gave really great practical tips, and you know I love practical tips, and so this article inspired me to create an episode for you on how to deal with your triggers, especially as an entrepreneur, and you can think of triggers as just being really intense emotional reactions that we have either to a circumstance or to a person, but I couldn't help but think, When we come up with tools to deal with triggers, aren't we really missing a trick here? And isn't this just really a Band-Aid solution that masks the real problem? And so when I say missing a trick, what I really mean is, aren't we missing an opportunity to learn and grow? So today, I wanna challenge the way that you think about triggers and the way you respond to your triggers. I don't want you to memorize tools to deal with them, instead, I'm gonna challenge you to lean into them, to experience them, and to explore them, because deep down inside your triggers lies a gem of wisdom, an invitation to grow, to learn or to heal something in yourself, or a chance to deepen a relationship with others. So here's what you're gonna learn today. In our first segment, I'm gonna explain the concept of emotional flooding. In the second segment, I'm going to talk about how we respond and who gets involved to really try to run the show. In our third segment, I'm going to give you some tough love about your triggers. And then in our last segment, I'm going to give you some great tips that you can use. But first, I want to start with a story. Today's story is about gardening. Well, dealing with weeds, to be more specific. I want you to imagine that it is a beautiful summer, sunny day, and you're at your beautiful home with your gorgeous backyard. It's Saturday afternoon after a really long week of work, and so you head out to spend time in your backyard with your favorite beverage of choice. You sit down to enjoy the peace and the serenity of your backyard, to take in the trees, maybe the gentle breeze, the garden, and the beautiful green grass. But wait, you can't, because you notice that your lawn is covered, I mean covered, with tons of dandelions. I mean, they're everywhere, all over. So many of them that your lawn actually looks more yellow than it does green. How can you possibly enjoy the afternoon in your backyard with all these dandelions? And so, as with most problems in life, you're faced with two possible solutions. A short-term solution as a quick fix, or a long-term solution that takes a little more effort but gives you permanent results. So the short-term solution is to grab a pair of scissors and trim off the heads of all the dandelions. And voila, you'll be weed-free in minutes. But if you do this, are you really actually solving the problem? I mean, the weeds might be gone for today, but you know they're going to grow back, don't you? 
and they'll likely multiply. This leaves us with the long-term solution to get to the root of what is causing the weeds. Looking at the alternative different methods that you can use to fix it and then make a decision which one you're going to use and then you have to take action. If you go this route then you're likely not going to solve the problem today and you might end up wasting some of your beautiful Saturday afternoon but when you decide to invest in this long-term solution you're going to get rid of the dandelions for good permanently and you won't have to waste any energy wondering if they're ever going to show up again. Now you might have to give up part of your Saturday today, but you'll never have another Saturday afternoon spoiled when all you really want to do is hang out in your backyard. And so the bigger question here is around how do you live your life? Is your life a series of temporary quick fixes where you take care of things just long enough for you to feel like you're making progress? Or do you prefer to invest the time to address things with a little more effort, a little more time, and come up with a more permanent solution? When you're faced with a problem, do you do what it takes to make the problem go away quickly? Or are you the type of person who recognizes challenges like this as an opportunity for growth and invests the time into fixing them in a permanent way? So how do you live your life? Now you know that I love growth, right? And I do truly believe that for entrepreneurs, personal growth leads to business growth. And growth isn't just self-discovery and awareness, that's part of it. But we also need to take action to change our behavior, to change how we react in situations and change the way that we interact with others. To grow, we need both parts. We need the self-awareness and we need to change our behavior. So I said earlier that when we deal with triggers, we're really missing a trick. We're missing an opportunity for growth, right? So I actually don't really love to use the term trigger because it feels like it's a label to me. And I don't love labels because they stick, because they're permanent, and they hold us back from growing. When we say, oh, this is a trigger for me, what we're really saying is that this has always bothered me. And we're also saying that this is something that will always bother me, full stop. And I don't think that's very powerful because we're not holding any space for us to change. So instead of using the label triggers, which is permanent, I like to use the term emotional flooding. And this is simply to explain where we experience really excessive and intense emotion in one moment. And we can't seem to process it or figure it out. And we feel completely overwhelmed and sometimes even paralyzed. Emotional flooding happens in a couple different ways. It can happen when we're caught off guard and we're surprised. Like one of my listeners gave this great example. She said that when people come into her office to challenge her on something, she gets really defensive with them. And this is a perfect example of emotional flooding because the other person is catching you off guard to have a conversation. They're likely interrupting whatever it was that you were working on. And then the cherry on top, they want to challenge you on something. So it's perfectly normal to feel defensive in that situation. Emotional flooding happens when we experience intense emotion that we're not used to or we're not prepared for. Think about when you go to the movies. 
I love going to the movies, by the way. And yes, part of what makes movies so awesome is the big screen and the surround sound and the cushy seats. But all those things are just intensifying what we're really going there for. We go to the movies for a big hit of emotion. And it's almost as if we're ordering emotion, not just popcorn, off the menu based on the genre of movie that we choose, like a drama or a love story or a comedy. And we take a deep dive during the film into emotion and we love it because it makes us happy and we feel pleasure. We feel intense emotion, good, bad, happy, or sad. So why and how are we able to enjoy such intense emotion? Because, quite simply, we signed up for it and because we're prepared for it. And this allows us to enjoy and appreciate the emotion. So it's not intense emotion that is bad. It's more that when it happens and we're not prepared for it, that we get caught off guard. Another example of emotional flooding is where we associate past examples and memories with a specific scenario. And this is typically where we use that traditional term trigger, or we sometimes use a cliche term emotional baggage. Let's say that you had an ex who was always late, like really, really late, disrespectfully late. And this was a common theme with the two of you. So when you go and you meet someone new and they happen to be late once, you might get completely flooded by this because you're carrying all this anger from a previous relationship. So instead of overreacting in that first instance of your friend being late, recognize the root of the anger and see what's really going on. You might have scripted a story that says, everybody's always late with me. No one really respects me. Maybe you have a strong value of respect around being on time. Maybe this is a chance to let your friend know that this is a value that is really important to you. Emotional flooding happens when we're not prepared, when we're surprised or caught off guard with intense emotion. Do you see how using the label of trigger gives you an excuse to hold on to what bothers you or to blame the other person or to hold on to that circumstance from your past and maybe be a bit of a victim and really prevent yourself from learning and growing? Remember back in episode three, way back in episode three, we talked about the natural law of expansion, which means that we are expected to continuously learn and grow and that frustrating people and frustrating circumstances are going to show up in our life to teach us a lesson. So if you really want to embrace the natural law of expansion, when you observe a situation where you're flooded emotionally, observe what is going on. What are you feeling? Stay present and learn about yourself. We need to learn how to lean into the discomfort and learn the lesson before we can move on. So we've talked a lot about emotional flooding and what it is. Let's talk about how we react or respond when it happens. And this is typically where our ego gets involved to quote unquote protect us. Now, we might feel backed into a corner or threatened, and so our ego really does have the best of intentions to protect us and to uphold our own importance or the integrity of our character. And there's lots of different reactions that you might have when you feel really flooded. 
And so as I read through this list, I want you to observe if any of these sound a little bit familiar to you. They might be things that you typically do when you feel flooded. Here's four examples of really common responses. Number one, defensiveness. This is particularly popular when we feel threatened or when someone's attacking our character. We typically use this when we don't want to bear any of the responsibility whatsoever. Number two is blame. If someone's pushing your buttons, then you're going to push right back in order to protect yourself. And this means trying to find some part of it to blame them or blame someone else or blame the dog. This protects you from carrying all of the responsibility. Number three, the silent treatment. If you're not really one who likes conflict or to retaliate, then you can always go silent and avoid the scenario as quickly as possible. This way, you guarantee that you'll never say anything that you could regret, right? And number four, change the topic. If you're in a situation where you can't process what's going on in that moment and you want to remove yourself from a situation, then some people try to change the topic and step right over the issue at hand. And this is essentially just trying to avoid the situation. Okay, so let's check in. Are you familiar with any of these four that I just talked about? Defensiveness, blame, going silent, or changing the topic. Do you use any of these when you feel flooded? Or maybe you use different ones in different situations. Sadly, I used to have a PhD in the silent treatment, although I'm getting a lot better and I very rarely use it. Now I can pretty much catch myself starting to go to that place and shutting down and I observe it before someone else does, which is a good thing. In our society and especially in business, we're trained to avoid our emotions. I often hear people say that emotion doesn't have a place in business, but that's not true. Your emotions aren't the problem. It's the lack of experiencing and the lack of understanding our emotion that gets us into trouble. We're trained to not experience emotions, and so we don't process them. They're so intense, and so our ego typically steps in to protect us, and it lashes out with some sort of toxic behavior. So you can hate on your ego, but don't hate on your emotion. Your emotion is a gift. It's a guidance system. If you learn how to observe it and trust it. So I want to give you some tough love about emotional flooding and some of the things that you might want to watch for when it happens. Just a heads up here that your ego might not like these first two things that I'm going to tell you. So I want you to make sure right now that you focus all of your attention to operate and listen to me from your heart right now. The first one is the mirror response. When you're triggered by a person and there's something specifically that they did or a quality that they possess that really drives you crazy, it's likely that they're mirroring something in you that you don't approve of in yourself. Have you learned this lesson yet? <laughs> Let me say it again. When you are triggered by someone or something that they did or a quality that they possess, it's often likely that they are mirroring something in you that you don't approve of. So this is a really good place to look when you're trying to understand why you're having a strong response to someone. 
And second, the 2% truth. If someone accuses you of something and it really hits a nerve, there's typically a partial truth in there that you are reacting to. If they accused you of something and you knew 110% that it wasn't true or even physically possible, their words would just fall away and they wouldn't even register with you. But defensiveness is a close neighbor to the truth. And that is a great tweetable. Defensiveness is a close neighbor to the truth. And I know it's hard to admit that we are less than perfect, but it's true. One of my favorite coaching questions is to ask someone, what's the 2% truth in that? And this is a really great tool that you might want to take away. If you find that someone you know is struggling to own a weakness or to admit something that's not so desirable, you could ask them, what's the 2% truth of that? And somehow it just makes it a little bit more palatable to admit to. So those are two places to look when you feel flooded. Look in the mirror to see if someone is mirroring a part of you that you don't approve of. And look to see if there's a 2% truth in some claim that someone is making. And lastly, I want to give you some inspiration that I learned from my training at CRR Global, where I learned how to coach partners and teams. Remember that behind every complaint is a request. And that's another great tweetable. Behind every complaint is a request. So if you find yourself continually disappointed by someone, then there's likely an opportunity for you to speak up and to ask for something or make a request to change the way they do something. There's no reason that you should be perpetually disappointed by someone or something. Behind every complaint is a request. So I wanna give you some tips of what you can do when you feel emotionally flooded, because this is something I've been working on for years. And I wanna start by sharing a recent example that just happened the other day. So I was working with a coach to get me up to speed on new software, and bless her heart, she was so knowledgeable and so skilled. And when we started the session, she dove headfirst into the analytics and the data, and all these things that I should be tracking and monitoring and thinking about. And instantly, I was flooded. And in a split second, I found myself starting to get really angry. So I checked in with her, and I told her that This was way more advanced than what I needed right now. And in the future, I'd love to learn this and figure it all out. But for today, there were actually some really, really basic things I was hoping to get help with instead. And do you know what she said? She said, sure, we can absolutely do that. And then we spent the rest of our session learning exactly what I wanted and what I needed to learn. That simple. Now, I know exactly what was going on in that moment and I know why I was frustrated. And for me, it was emotional mashup of a bunch of things. So first, I was frustrated because she was trying to teach me something and that I wasn't ready to learn yet. Instead of checking in at the top of the call and asking me what I wanted to focus on. I have to confess, I'm a bit of a coaching snob. I like to be coached the same way that I coach, which is to focus on my client at the top of the call and check in with them and see what they need. So I was frustrated because I was paying to be coached and I wasn't learning what I wanted to learn. Then I was also frustrated by the data and the analytics. 
because this is one of my big weaknesses. I don't like analyzing data. It's not something I'm good at and it's not something that I enjoy. I'm working on it. So when she dove in and just started to overwhelming, overwhelm me with all the data and the numbers, I just got flooded and I started to feel really insecure about that and really frustrated because I know that it's not something that comes easy to me. And the other thing present for me was intimidation. So I'm in the middle of a very big learning curve right now. When I decided last year to shift my business from being a Toronto-based coaching practice to offering online programs, I essentially signed up to build an entirely, completely different business. The name remained the same, but that's pretty much about it. It's a totally different model. And there are days when I feel like I'm on a vertical learning curve. Everything is new to me and it's humbling. And I feel like so frustrated and I want to know everything yesterday. So I was also frustrated by adding something else onto the list of things that I need to figure out how to do. So that's just a few of the things that were present for me. Frustration, insecurity, and intimidation. And I know that she had no intention of making me feel any of those. So I just told her and we shifted gears back to the basics. Now I know for me, if I looked back even five years ago, I would have never had the skills to have that conversation with her. So if this is new for you, please be patient with yourself. You will figure it out, I promise, and you will be great at it. And it might be a little awkward at first, but that's okay. You're gonna get better at it as you keep practicing. So here's some practical tips to deal with emotional flooding. And I've grouped them into two categories, short-term and long-term strategies. Let's start with the short-term. How do you handle it the next time you experience it in the moment? There's three steps that you need to do. You need to observe, you need to presence, and you need to request. So let's start with observing. If this is a really fairly new concept for you, then I really want you to ease into this. All I want you to do is to start to notice and observe what you're feeling in the moment. And so the next few times that you feel really flooded, this is all I want you to do. Observe and notice that something is going on and that you're having a reaction in your body. Next, number two, is to presence. And when you're ready to add on from observing, you can go to this next step of presencing what is going on. Now we talked about this soft skill a way back in a few episodes. And this is where we name what is going on, either from an emotional perspective or we name something that we're observing. So going back to my example, I interrupted my coach and I explained that I was feeling overwhelmed. And number three is request. Once you observe what's going on and you name it, then you can ask for what you need. So going back to my example, I requested that we dial back the training to make it a little bit more simple for me. So overall, what you're trying to do with these three steps of observe, presence, and request is to slow down the situation, to get you to notice the emotion that's coming up and to avoid you going headfirst into conflict. We definitely don't want your ego to try to handle the situation, right? Because your ego is a bit of a loose cannon and you just never know where you're going to get. Now here's a few of the long-term strategies that you can use for emotional flooding. I've got four of them for you. First, deepen your self-awareness. The more that you know about yourself and you understand what is important to you, 
aka knowing your core values, the more you will understand why you get emotionally flooded. Number two, reflect. Let's be honest. Not all situations are going to give you the chance to go through those three steps that I talked about. So always do your best in the moment and then take the time afterwards to reflect. Try to get clear on exactly what it was that was upsetting you in the moment. And the more time that you can spend doing this, the better that you're going to get at noticing and figuring yourself out. Number three, consider multiple perspectives. So I sometimes joke that there are three sides to every story. Your side, my side, and then what really happened. Remember, we're always dealing with different personalities. So you might be the kind of person who loves to discuss things in the moment and have deep, rich, philosophical discussions on the topic and how it impacted you. And someone else might be the kind of person who likes to review something to think it over on their own and then discuss it later. Remember that we're all different, so don't try to expect someone else to react the same way that you do. And number four, emotions as guidance. Your emotions are your intelligence. When you reflect on each situation, there's always something in it to learn and grow from. Remember that. And it might be learning about what is important to you, It might be growing the skill to learn how to ask for what you need. Remember the natural law of expansion. Accept the learning or it's going to be just like the movie Groundhog Day where that learning opportunity keeps showing up over and over and over again. And before I wrap up this episode... I have something really important I want to say to you. I want to take a minute to thank you, to acknowledge you. We are at episode 21 now, and we just hit, get this, 10,000 downloads of this podcast, which kind of blows my mind. And each episode that we publish is now getting well over 500 listens. And it's growing steady each week. So I want to really thank you for listening today and every week. I want to thank you for your courage, for your open heart, and for your loyalty. When you listen each week, I want you to do more than just learn and grow. I want you to realize that you are part of a growing community of conscious entrepreneurs located all around the world who share your passion and share your beliefs. So be sure to have a smile on your face because you are on the leading edge of conscious business. And if you learned something today or in any of the previous episodes, I wanna challenge you to do something. I want you to send a link of a certain episode to someone so that they can learn and grow and we can expand our community around the globe and together help to raise consciousness through business. So thanks for hanging out with me today. Remember that being an entrepreneur is the most intense form of personal development that you will ever go through. So be patient and be kind to yourself. Deep down inside, you know how powerful you are. Now it's time to step up and let the rest of us see it. See you.